What is that? I don't know, it's someone with a... Hang on, I'm just gonna go and check, because if he's doing the f***ing hedges, I'm gonna scream. Hang on, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> he's got a he's got a whipper snipper, a hedge trimmer, and a leaf blower. He's Captain he's just, Noise. Yeah. What a twat. My name is Maximus Decimus Noisius. <laughs> no, Maximus Decibel Noisius. There we go. There it is. <laughs> Welcome back to Trouble in Terrorist Town! Wait, no. Welcome to the Wikicut. <laughs> Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And that is a leaf blower outside Dan's house. And oh, this God. is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, it's satire in the extreme. It's the Department, ex <laughs> the Department of Trade and Industry, the United Kingdom. Are you joking? No, deadly serious. <laughs> oh my God. I actually no. It's funny you should mention this because I was thinking just last night. I'm re I'm rereading a brief history of time, and there was a section where Stephen Hawking was saying, uh, talking about entropy, which is a measure of how disordered a system is. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, you know, obviously we don't live in a system of complete disorder, or nothing would ever happen. And I was just like, well, given how Brexit is going, it does feel like we're living in a state of complete disorder. We, we, we have reached maximum entropy. <coughs> it's a royal show, isn't it, really? There's certainly it is. In the, within it's... the last couple of days of recording, um, Brexit uh, negotiations. Well, the lack thereof have just been the lack of yeah, Brexit discussion. Yeah, been ludicrous. And the Labour okay, MP. Hit me with it. Okay, well, we'll get on to Brexit later. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> the Department of Trade and Industry (DTI) was a United Kingdom government department formed on the 19th of October in 1970. It was replaced with the creation of the Department of Business. Enterprise and Regulatory Reform, and the Department of for Innovation, Universities and Skills on the 28th of June 2007. Those those two, I wouldn't have said that they sound like the natural successors of... Trade business, and industry. Was it business? Trade and industry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. But so this... So, and when was this... Where did you say this was... It was disbanded? Uh, 2007, 28th of June 2007. Okay, right. So we, we've both theoretically known the effects of this uh yeah this department so what what is interesting about this skim the article because i get the impression there's gonna be a lot of shit. okay so the dti had a wide range of responsibilities ultimately uh the nine main areas that they were concerned with were company law trade business growth innovation employment <coughs> employment law regional economic development energy science and consumer law needless to say it was replaced in 2007. Um, in 1983, trade and industry were reunited. So the Department of Energy used to be its own department, but then it was added back into this DTI thing in 1992, which is interesting. Um, yeah, you'd have thought that, that like energy is one of the, arguably the most important industry in that, you know, if, if the energy industry isn't doing its job, nobody can do their job. So... I suppose uh, you know. Obviously, you have to break down the um, the roles of government in some way, but like that feels like an absolutely natural connection yeah. to, for them to be talking to each other. Hilariously, after the two thousand five general election, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, the DTI was renamed to the Department for Productivity, Productivity, Energy, and Industry, but the name reverted back to the Department of Trade and Industry less than a week later. 
after widespread <laughs> derision, including some uh, from the Confederation of British Industry. You're not going to have a Department of Innovation. That sounds like Orwellian. Mm. Like, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, the government isn't... is if, if Orwell were writing reality as a satire, he would be calling the current government the uh, Institute of uh, Innovation. Mm. So... And there was yeah. also... Okay. So, Four years after the DTI was established, um, there was a, the general election in 1974, uh, which followed a Labour Party victory. Um, the department was split into the Department of Trade, the Department of Industry, and the Department of Prices and Consumer Protection. Oh God! Jesus. You know, just just dry as sin. Just when I thought, just when I thought it couldn't get any more boring, yeah. like. Me, Jesus! <laughs> That's the dullest department I have ever heard of in my life. Yeah. Um, wow! How are we how are we supposed to make this interesting, Dan? Come on, you're you're an ideas well, man. Well, how are we supposed to make this topic interesting? I'm imagining that the the way this department of the department of trade and industry was run is something <coughs> something like um, uh, what was that um, Armando Iannucci. Uh, TV series. Oh, the thick of it. Yeah, I'm imagining it's like that. Just completely an absolute show of you know, just just foul mouthed, horrible people. Um, as far as I can tell, like reality has now been is now a spin off of the thick of it. Like it's you, they're indistinguishable at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I love how also normally we try and hold off the swearing. Um, uh, for at least a while, um, like until the in the episode, and as soon as Brexit has come up as the topic, it's like, oh, f- a c- this stupid f- b- sh- face situation we're in. <laughs> it's just, we've all just gone full exasperated. So that's a. This is quite interesting. So there's a uh, there's a hyperlink in this Wikipedia article that links to the. Department of Trade and Industries website within the National Archives because obviously this department doesn't exist anymore. It's like a time capsule. Yeah, the National Archives. So I'm on the National Archives. Uh, welcome to the Department of Trade and Industry website. Um, but this is within the National Archives. And there are three um, links to things that I can, I, can, I can kind of look into. The 24th of May 2007, the 23rd of May 2007, and the 23rd of May 2007. So... In the tw- on the 24th of May 2007, uh, the Secretary of State referred the transaction of the... Comp- so Sky, as in the website, the, the um, broadcasting company, yeah. bought 17.9% of shares of ITV through this, uh, this department. Oh, okay. Which is really odd. Yeah, you think that would go against some kind of like trust laws or like, because you know, the day before anti-monopoly legislation. The day before, the most important, well, the, the only archived notice that I can see was the Energy White Paper was published. So this department, in terms of its scope, was just must have it's been huge. in huge. Yeah, Energy White Paper meeting the energy challenge. So they've published this um, this article. So oh, this will be interesting. Let's let's have a look and see what they uh, in two thousand seven. This was the government's plan. <clears throat> <laughs> so here we go okay. energy is essential in almost every aspect of our lives and for the, sex, the success of our economy we face two long term energy challenges tackling climate change by reducing carbon dioxide emissions both within the UK and abroad and ensuring secure clean affordable energy as we become increasingly dependent on imported fuel this white paper sets out the government's international and domestic energy strategy to respond to these changing circumstances address the long term energy challenges we face and deliver our four energy policy goals now here are their goals 
to put ourselves on a path to cutting CO2 emissions by some 60% by about 2050. Well, that's gone well. With real progress by 2020. Actually, uh, hang on, I say that. Uh, let me let me just, let's just quickly assess. Hang on, UK carbon emissions, because I don't think they've gone down, but I'm just going to Google this. UK carbon emissions. Uh... Ah, would you look at that? It they has actually gone down. have decreased. Yeah. Uh, it, so when was this from? 2007? Yeah. Uh, UK uh, in 2007 emitted 8.6. Ah, uh, hang on a tick. Wait a cotton picking minute. Uh, it emitted 8.68 metric tons per capita. So we're going to have to weigh this against population increase. Mm. Um, so that was 8.68 metric tons per capita in 2007. And the last year of those data available is 2014, in which they emitted 6.5 tonnes. So quite a substantial decrease. So I think on balance that will be a um, uh, like an overall decrease. Uh, ah, and actually Carbon Brief, um, which is quite a good website for um, climate, climate uh, climate change mm. stuff um they have some analysis here saying uk carbon emissions in 2017 fell to levels last seen in 1890 wow that's actually well done the uk we don't actually congratulate ourselves very frequently because we f up frequently mm. but honestly i i think that's that's pretty good you know I'm sure that there will be some overall bad picture to be taken from this. Um, but, oh, okay, that's cool. So on this website, I'll include this in the show notes, guys, if you are interested, which you should be, because it's our future we're talking about. Um, most of the decrease since 2014 uh, has a huge percentage of the decrease has come from um, stopping using coal. There's a breakdown of where the, the reductions have come from by gas, by oil, and by coal. Um, and... Uh, that's that's the coal is where most of it's come from and i know for a fact that um a lot of it will have come from being replaced with wind and in some cases solar however the funding that the uk gets for its off winds uh wind farms mm. uh comes from the european commission so uh, we're back on brexit because that money is probably not going to be coming for very much longer although possibly we're not leaving the european union there is now a glimmer of hope mm. um the, I, I don't know, it does feel like after the European Court of Justice have like ruled that we can come back in, everyone's gone, oh, for God's sake, let's just end this all and go back in. Anyway, um, <laughs> starting on Brexit. Uh, what are the other objectives? Let's see if they've met. So that's one objective they met. Put ourselves on a path to cutting CO2 emissions by some 60% by about 2050 with real progress by 2020 to maintain the reliability of energy supplies, to promote competitive markets in the UK and, and beyond, to ensure that every home is adequately and affordably heated. Mm, that's not worked out with the Tory government, hasn't it? Yeah. Of the four energy policy goals, one has to do with cutting CO2 emissions, and every single other one is about money. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what—that's how you're going to make people care, right? Yes. Like, you're going to have you're going to have a hard time making people uh, care about energy policy unless somehow it saves them money. Yeah, it's just interesting that the energy challenge tackling yeah, so the two challenges, the two long-term energy challenges, tackling climate change by reducing CO2 emissions both within the UK and abroad and ensuring to clean, clean secure clean and affordable energy as we become increasingly. So of those two challenges, the four goals that they have, one addresses one and three address the other. And really, yeah, this is the whole issue, isn't it? Because no one really gives a shit about climate change. Well, I mean, I feel like the pessimist in me wants to agree, but what we have seen is that 
actually meaningful action has we've just i mean i was doubtful when i looked at the data and actually yeah like the uk has really quite substantially cut carbon emissions um i suppose it's how how much how much can you kind of you know 60 percent by 2050 do you think that's that's feasible uh hang on Uh, i'm trying to see what the overall 60 percent by 2050 so that's so but, but well, by 2050, I'd say that's feasible. Um, I think that if I remember rightly, the EU committed to like a 30 something, like a 32% decrease by 2030. And I feel like it's going to be one of these things where the pace of change is only going to increase. Mm. So I think I think that is feasible. I think, to, to be honest, the UK and Western Europe generally... I think is going to um like provide a certain amount of sort of leadership by example when it comes to this stuff because they they you know they have shown to have um uh taken meaningful action they've committed to future meaningful action and people actually do, I th- I feel like you know people do care the there, there is there has been a grassroots movement that's been building up over several decades now where people have been educated from a young age starting in about the 80s and really the 90s mm. and those kids people my age basically who have now grown up with knowing that this is an issue are now going into positions where they can do something about it right so i feel like that that's going to contribute to you know the accelerating pace of change mm. um and I feel like, yeah, the the EU generally, the eurozone, uh, is is going to certainly compared to America at the moment, um, and and Australia uh, is going to provide something of a of a showcase of yeah, it can be done. What's interesting is China has has actually really committed, like, gone full into renewable energy, mm. um, because partly the actual environment uh is deteriorating in in china at an astonishing well, rate. there are places like, in, in china that you can't are like not habitable i i'm, te- I'm hesitant to absolutely agree mm. but like yeah it, as i understand it <coughs> the, the, there are places where air pollution is astonishingly bad india is actually i think worse for air pollution as i as, as i recall i don't have any data to hand about this um but the, the other key thing with china and india is that they are so reliant on um meltwater from the himalayas for agriculture and for you know drinking water um that if himalayan glaciers continue to retreat at the rate that they currently are they're not going to have a reliable source of drinking water by the end of the century Mm. so it's in their interest they know it's in their interest to actually try and do something about this um i think you could also argue that they might see it as a um you know by taking action on it that they are you know the, the the world superpower they're the ones taking leadership on this um and that's sort of a reason why they're doing it mm. but china is an in- interesting one in that like the the renewable energy um uh network that the, the people that i went to berlin with uh in their report they're basically showing how um china has invested it was something like last year china added more renewable energy capacity than the entire world had in 1990 or something like that like they are adding so much solar it's it's actually astonishing um so you know like yeah i i do think it is feasible uh, as long as other parts of the world sort of take note of what europe and and yeah to be honest china are, are doing and also in the electrification of a lot of africa like there's a there's an opportunity there to add in an infrastructure from what as the as these countries can come up in development there is a there is the opportunity to add in a real infrastructure on a renewable for renewable energy rather than making the same mistakes that we made mm. in in you know the west 
Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's possible. That's that, that's actually really a f- that that's given me some good news about yeah. how the UK's carbon emissions have fallen. That's that's actually very welcome news. And would you have good, thought good on us. <coughs> that we would have got there yeah, we had- from the Department of Trade and Industry, which was disbanded in two thousand and seven? Yeah. Oh god! Actually, should we just because the the, the whole um, debacle is advancing so quickly? Do you want to quickly summarise what the latest Brexit debacle is oh god. at the time of recording? No pressure. <laughs> okay, so the the agreed uh, the agreed vote and negotiations have been postponed in Parliament. So Theresa May addressed the House of Commons yesterday, basically saying that due to the division uh, in the House over. Um, what's being referred to as the Irish backstop, um, which has stuff to do with trade regulation when the U- when the UK become withdraws from the, the from the ugh, it's quite hard. The single market, the European single market, um, basically this this backstop uh, would ensure that the uh, the UK and and uh, uh, Northern Ireland wouldn't face trade um restrictions and further basically whenever like over a hard yeah when anything whenever thing when anything goes across the border at the moment the regulations are fairly are fairly minimal they just allow you know and facilitate trade um if this backstop wasn't in place there would be there would be a considerably harder border um which is what the dup are keen for right which is why this I is such an issue. The backstop is 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 in the event of no um, agreement being reached yeah. when it comes to technical details. Like, at the, and, and at the moment, if um, we don't reach an agreement, the Northern Ireland remains in the customs union, mm-hmm. as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, I think that I, I believe the DAP d- don't like that. Um, and what I mean, effect that that's that's. That's the real issue, but I mean, effectively, Theresa May proposed a deal which, overall, nobody wants. No, and she knew that. Well, she the, the 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 issue is it's not it's not so much that nobody wants this deal. It's that if you look at the House of Commons, it's divided between uh, the government and the opposition. Obviously, the opposition aren't keen because they're the opposition um but then also within her own party there is division because not everyone is keen for this um backstop to come through um and the and and theresa may's government is propped up by the dup um considerably uh, and they don't want it at all so yeah, you, to the tune of one billion pounds. yeah you've got the dup you don't want it you've got i think boris john here we go there's a thing here um Staunch Brexiteer Boris Johnson said the EU would use the backstop as blackmail to the, <coughs> to the UK. He says the real problem with the backstop arrangement is it gives power to the to Brussels and all the other EU states effectively to blackmail us and to get what they want out of the future trade negotiations. Um, it's an awful negotiating position to be in. Um, and then uh, Theresa May addressed the House yesterday saying that she's postponed... Uh, discussions hasn't she and she's now currently in the netherlands actually with the dutch yeah. prime minister talking about uh brexit more yeah trying to rescue this deal there you go um yeah so she's with the dutch prime minister mark R- oh, i don't know how to pronounce that last name ruta i guess <laughs> um i i don't know and uh angela merkel uh after postponing a commons vote for the deal so basically, it's everything's just still massively up in the air. Then this, there's been this whole news about um, who was it who spoke? It was an, it was a European Union bigwig basically said that we can revoke uh, 
Oh, oh the, it was the European Court of Justice. Yeah, yeah. That said that we, we could re-enter the European Union without consulting the other 27 member states. Yeah. Which would, offend, which would effectively undo Article 50. Yeah, well, it, it, it indicated that if we um, did decide that we wanted to stuff it all in and just rejoin the EU, we could and there wouldn't be an issue. Um, and I feel like that coming out just before the vote made... Because effectively, the, the deal and the issue of the Irish backstop in particular has meant that the people who want Brexit think that we're not getting enough of a Brexit. And the people who don't want Brexit are saying, obviously, we're getting too much of a Brexit. Yeah. Um, and now the, the the fact that the European Court of Justice has said, you know, you can come back in if you want, the door's open, um, meant that all those people have said, well, why are we doing this? No one's happy. And so, you know, at the latest state of play is that Theresa May has gone, f*** it, we're not having a vote. Mm. <laughs> we're going to leave it, and then I'm going to fail at a future point. Um, doubtlessly, the whole situation will change by the time this comes out. So there was a really interesting... There were two really interesting articles I read this morning, actually. Um, <clears throat> one about this um, this Labour MP went up and just picked up the... Uh, oh, the mace. The mace. Yeah. Which is like a big yeah, no-no. Mace and, and everyone was like, miles, 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 miles. It was like a playground. Yeah. A Labour MP uh, grabs mace. Here we go. MP causes uproar. This is what we want. So, Monday's common debate on Theresa May's decision to call off her Brexit vote ended in high drama as Labour MP uh, seized the ceremonial Mason protest. And, and I think the Speaker was just like, okay, come on now. Like, we're all getting a bit antsy. Come on now, that's not that's not funny. It sounded like, it sounded like a mother. The MP, so the, the MP who moved it said this, the, symbolic, uh, uh, the symbolic gesture of lifting the mace and removing it is that the will of, Parliament ha- is, uh, will, will of Parliament to govern is no longer there and has been removed. I felt Parliament had effectively given up its sovereign right to govern properly. Yeah, God. Can we, carry on. Can we just abruptly put a lid on this? Because I feel like I'm going to get a headache if we actually if we, if we actually talk about this for any longer. Yeah. The only other interesting thing. <laughs> Does anybody actually <coughs> want to hear this? <laughs> the only other interesting thing that is actually that I think is quite cool um, is uh, there was a. It's been quite the actual article itself has been kind of buried amongst other um, more recent uh, more recent articles, despite the fact that it only happened I think last night. It was published last night. Um, but there's been a uh, an, an, an MP has been speaking about John Burkow, who is the um, Speaker of the House of Commons. Um, his uh, how impartial he really is over Brexit, because he's made quite a few. Co- so when when Theresa May said, um, oh, yeah, we're going to postpone talks because everyone's in disarray. Apparently, he openly said within the House um, he was disappointed in the decision, which is not okay because the chair is meant to be impartial, and that's massively important for like governing proceedings yeah, in the yeah, House of Commons. You know, um, <coughs> I mean, I feel like we, we he was he's right to be disappointed, but he shouldn't be expressing. He shouldn't. He really shouldn't be expressing it because that you know he's he he carries a lot of power uh, in in how proceedings are are kind of governed within the House of Commons. Um, but yeah, some some MPs been really pissed off with with his uh his stance which is quite it was really quite an interesting article uh, i just wish we'd elected david Miliband. sorry ed Miliband. Mm. like coalition of chaos or this yeah definitely coalition of chaos do you, remember, do you remember when the biggest political issue in the country was how ed Miliband ate a bacon sandwich <laughs> <laughs> that was a le- legit the biggest issue in that election it's just bad. i just want to go back everything's going mad isn't it yeah Speaking of which, 
Should we go mad in another corner? Yeah, because let's do I it. I imagine that you've got some interesting music to talk about in Dan's Choral Piece of the Week. And this will be my Piece of the Week. Drum roll, please. Are we safe? Have we escaped Brexit? I think so. I think we're all right. Did you slam, did you slam the door quickly enough? I, don't, I, I did, yeah. I don't I think da- it followed us in. Yeah. So my my choral piece of the week. Uh, if you were, if you cast your mind back to last week, where I was very cheeky and, and asked for two, uh, one choral piece and then one just normal piece that you should be listening to because it's bloody excellent. Um, I'm it's um, it's strictly choral this week, but it's part of a wider work that isn't choral, oh. and it's very exciting because I am of course talking about Jacob Collier's new album. Uh, yes, Jesse, featuring uh, Volume Vox's One, eight. indeed. Uh, the first track on this album uh, is uh, "Home Is," uh, which is Jacob Collier and Avocha's Eight collaboration. The entire album is riddled with various different collaborations with incredibly talented musicians. Um, <clears throat> it's got the um, Metropole Orchestra on there as well, which is the orchestra that he collaborated with when he had his Night at the Proms, which is excellent. But I cannot. Mm. I cannot emphasise how great this thing is. Um, ooh, when we were off, off the time of last recording, had my speaker arrived? Yes, yes, you spoke. It had. About it. Okay, cool. Well, it's been basically playing nonstop, um, and I, uh, I, I sat down in a in a darkened living room with the Christmas lights on and listened to the entire album in its entirety. And then again, I just let it play on a loop and just sat there for a couple of hours. Um, it's brilliant, but this particular this this home is um, it's kind of like a um, if you've listened to Voches 8's album Winter, you'll know that it's got those soundscapes. Yes, the winter. Pl- um, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love it's those. A, a similar vibe to that, but it's just yeah, it's it's uh, masterfully it's pretty arranged. special. Like I mean, mm-hmm. the whole album just seems to cement um, that Jacob Collier is like kind of the preeminent individual talent that seemingly everyone wants to work with like mm-hmm. the young musical talent that like I think before he was kind of a bit on the fringe and this is like him really entering the spotlight now mm-hmm. like the, the mainstream um, yeah. I need to listen to the rest of the album because also this is the first album right there's more than one yeah there'll be four so over the course of I think this year um, well this coming year um, he'll be releasing each each volume um but it's incredibly exciting. I mean, it's just, it's just superb. Um, so yes, home is Jacob Collier and Watches Eight on the Jesse Volume One. That's D J E S S E. Give it a listen. It's absolutely incredible. Thank you for being prompt, Daniel. We often that's all right. That's ramble fine. in this podcast. I mean, I feel like, do, do, I don't know. Do, do you think we ramble in this podcast sometimes? Um, maybe occasionally. You know, well, I think I think we're usually pretty good at delivering. Absolutely We're essential on information twenty four seven. Yeah. Well, shall we shall we fix that and go on to uh, critics' corner? Because oh boy, do I have some stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Here we go. <laughs> so um, I have two things that I'd like to to bring up. Okay. Uh, I would like to. How much of the Jingle Jam have you been watching? Not nearly enough as I would have liked. Yeah, okay, I thought that might be the case. Because the problem is, like, it's every day, which means that you always are in the state of, oh, you know, I'll, I can always watch it at some other point. I'll watch it on catch-up. And, like, to be fair, people generally do. Um, mm. But uh, I missed a stream live, and um, I 
deeply regret it because I think it's the funniest stream I've ever watched in my entire life. And I'm, of, of course, referring to the uh, Ben and Tom play Warhammer Total War completely in character. So for those of you <laughs> who don't know, so we, we mentioned this last week, the uh, the Jinkle Jam. Um, the Yogscast are a group of, of gamers and they, 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 you know, play stuff and stream all the time. Um, and uh, one of the... One of the pairings that often stream together is Ben and Tom uh, and they play a variety of things uh, and every week their normal game is Warhammer Total War which mm -hmm. I never played but I love the lore of it and so I tune in every now and again and when they play regardless of who they play as um, and where they are on the campaign map there's this guy Boris Toddbringer Elector Count of Middenland uh, right. aka f***ing Toddy um, who inevitably declares war on them and like a heat-seeking missile tracks them down. Like it doesn't matter where they are in the world. It could be 10 provinces away. Like they've just scraped out of a really tough battle. Their army's like all battered. And then wait a minute, what's that on the horizon with a full stack army? It's f***ing Toddy! Um, and they started out the stream and it was just Ben there. And I will send you a link, Dan, because mm -hmm. f*** me. I, I've watched the whole stream probably twice now because it's the funniest thing. Uh, I will include a link, uh, dear, dear reader, uh, which you should absolutely check out. Uh, but I will mm. get down to watch the start of this, this highlight video. Uh, oh, hang on. Well, I'll put it on Facebook for you. Um, but right, that's, that's the madcap one. So this is, the, this is the highlights. Just watch like the first 30 seconds. Right, here we go. We can do some, what's it called? Global recruitment. Where is he? Steve, have you seen him? What's going on? Where is he? I heard Kazakh Bloodline! <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my god, I love this. It's honestly, you watch, oh, that, that's just 14 minutes of highlights. For the whole four hour stream, Tom stays in absolute character, gets incredibly drunk in full plate armor. Like, wow. He's, what he's, a hero. Yeah, absolutely. He's he was he was hoarse because the, the, his whole character, Toddy's character, is that he's just a, a shouting idiot with a vengeance, and mm. like he has this particular hatred for a beastman called Kazakh One Eye. Um, right. And every time he appeared on the map, like because he, he was getting so drunk by the end of it, and he was just like he had a sword with him, and every time he saw the character Kazakh One Eye, he was like getting out of his chair, pulling his sword out, waving it around, smashing into lights. Whenever anyone came in the streaming room, he was like, "Aha, a dueling partner!" <laughs> <laughs> waving his sword around. Honestly, it was the funniest stream I've ever seen in my life. Um, wow. Definitely, definitely watched the whole thing. That does look absolutely superb. And there was the toddy driver. They raised, I think they raised about 50 grand in one stream for charity. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. People were just dropping 100 pound donations everywhere. For, it was the toddy they're currently Because si they're currently sitting on just over two and a half million. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I reckon they'll make three million by the end of the, um, by the end of the, the month. Like, no, they were never going to reach the target of last year's one because it was such an exceptional charity drive. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just, just incredible. So 
uh, I, I had to share that one with you. But absolutely, I can't stress enough, guys. That if you're listening to this, you really should watch that video I posted. It's only it's only 14 minutes, but even the first minute is gold on its own. Um, but yeah, so I was I wanted to review that because I think that was that just brought me so much joy. And then something which made me nope out, like just I've I've don't think I've ever seen something which made me fear like first a secondhand fear more than this was a netflix show called tales by light have you heard of this no i don't think i have so it's basically imagine the um chef's table you know the, the um yeah. documentary about a particular chef it's that but for photographers right uh, and uh, i've only watched the, the one episode because i only just started watching it yesterday uh, whilst i was having my lunch um but uh, the episode which I watched was about this Australian photographer who mm. specialised in underwater photography, mm. um, and you know it was there was an amazing shoot of him with humpback whales and taking pictures of a, a calf and its mother and like how he did that shoot and I that, I thought that was pretty cool like I quite like to swim with whales. Are you about to tell me that this has triggered your thalassophobia? No, well it, I suppose it is thalassophobia actually because the the second main shoot that they did was of a a World War II Japanese biplane, which mm-hmm. had crashed, but was basically completely intact. Um, and he wanted to do a special picture of it, mm-hmm. where instead of just doing a normal exposure, he wanted to do a long exposure at night. Um, and in order to do that, like you leave the shutter open for three minutes, but the plane still wouldn't stand out enough from the background right so there's this technique which i'd never heard of before which i think was called painting with light and what you do is in a long exposure you basically go in there in complete darkness and illuminate the bits that you want to show up in the long exposure with a torch and it's literally like you're painting on the light with a torch right um which is really really cool but then it showed him doing it and it's him at the bottom of the ocean I mean, he's probably, I don't know, like 10, maybe 20 metres down um, at night, pitch black, just illuminating this this wreck um, with a torch and painting the light on. And around him is utter blackness. And I was like, mm. that can get the f*** out. There's mm. no way I would want to do that. Like, the image of knowing exactly what's in front of you, but having this infin- infinity behind you where anything yeah. could come out. No absolutely not um wow i I kind of want to see that it was uh, yeah uh, hang on i'll find the oh here you go i found the picture i'll send you the um uh link to the picture i'll put this in the show notes guys along with the uh netflix show itself uh but the actual end picture i think is really really cool uh Mm. hang on there we go oh yeah weird yeah it's quite an ethereal effect isn't it yeah huh but like yeah very very cool end effect and a very very I, I i didn't particularly like the way that the documentary was like put together it was very american and like discovery channel like if you know what i mean like yeah yeah i just i thought that was a bit brash uh mm-hmm. but um yeah I, I, it was quite a cool quite a cool show obviously it looks beautiful because you know they've they've got some amazing cinematographer to work on it because mm-hmm. they don't want their stuff to look by comparison to the, the photos um but uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it, actually. I've, I'm trying to make the most of my Netflix subscription recently, so I'm actually watching stuff, <laughs> mm. which is which is I haven't for a while. I've uh, I've completely binged, I think I've mentioned this already, but the um, salt, fat, acid, heat. Yeah, you did. I have it on my um, list, and I assume I, I got that from you. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. Um, I also watched The Holiday the other day. The Holiday. 
so this is kind of like an American, well, a more American directed uh, in its in its outlook. Um, Love Actually, like a Christmas rom com thing. Oh, is this the one with like? Is it Ryan Reynolds who's in it? No, it's Jack Black, um, the woman who was in Titanic, uh, Cameron Diaz, and oh. Jude Law. Yes, I know the one now. Yep, I remember. Yeah. Um, I, the only reason I watched it because Wheezy Waiter recently put out a video of them trying to find him and his wife, China, trying to find the kind of perfect Christmas uh, feel-good film. Um, right. And they concluded that it was that, and I sat and watched it in my pyjamas on my own and had a rip-roaring time. It was really just lovely. Um, Are you one of these people that thinks that um, Love Actually is an amazing film? I like it. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's an amazing film. Um, I'll happily watch it and be like, oh, it, you know, it's a kind of like a. It's a nice feel good thing, but you know, Richard Curtis has a multitude of sins. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I just can't overlook the cheese. Basically, I just watching yeah. it. It's like it's just so constructed. And and that's I said what this... it's meant to be, though, isn't it? You know, like that's it. Yeah. That's that's it's it's for a certain taste. And I I said this on the stream the other day when I was playing Kerbal, and I was like, guys, it's. It's not a good film. <laughs> like, uh, people were getting people. People were some people were getting quite angry. I think a lot of people were like, "Yeah, you, you know, you're right." Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it always comes up every Christmas. It's the one film that people are always just like wanking over. What is what is your Christmas film? Do you is it uh... Home Alone? Yes, of course it's. A- oh, that was a thing. I meant to tell you this weeks ago. Um. In uh, in Home Alone, uh, this was on the movie details subreddit. There's a really really cool detail that um, the music that's playing when he meets the old man uh, in the uh, what's it called in the church. Well, like whenever whenever you see the old man, right? Um, oh yeah, Oh Night Divine. No, it's 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 the Dies Irae. Um, oh, right. oh, I'm thinking of the other when he's in the yeah when he's in the church. Well, no, 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 no. Anyway. But when he's in the church, um, it's uh, the Carol of the Bells. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, hang on, I'll send you the, this. This episode has just been me sending you things. Um, if if you see the sheet music comparing Diasire and Carol of the Bells, they're the same notes but in a just a slightly different rhythm. That's fucking cool. Yeah, so like he's it's the same character but just perceived in a different way. Mm. I just I don't I thought that was really 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 cool. Also, so this is this is from this um this thread and apparently John Williams cuz obviously John Williams did the score. Um uh he uses the DS uh in the scene in the first Star Wars where the homestead's being burned down. I did, I never picked up on that, but I I mm. trust that that is correct. Yeah, that was. I can finally delete that from my Reddit saved. I've been saving that for you um, on this podcast. I can finally oh, get no, rid I of like it. it. <laughs> I've also just come across. I've just. I went to see this link on Facebook and was greeted with a um a, a photo from the facts Facebook page. Oh yeah. Um, which has triggered me because it's talking about Baby Driver because I was, I mean, you know, we were massively disappointed with that film. Um, in Baby Driver 2017, the words baby and driver appear on the screen. This is a reference to the fact that the movie is called Baby Driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great page. Yeah, it's very, very um, good. Oh, oh, oh the, the, um, another movie details though. I'll see if I can find it and actually send it to you because it's kind of difficult to describe, um, which makes it perfect for discussion in a podcast. Um but basically, this is, you know, at the start of Baby Driver, when um, uh, I nearly called him Augustus Waters, um, Baby goes and picks up like coffee for all the monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, there's a mural. It's all one long take. Um, and um, there's uh, he goes in and there's a there's a mural behind him. And um, 
in the mural, there's a heart in the middle, which is black. And um, basically, in this one long take, you see this, the camera pans, and he sees the girl, um, Lily James's character. And when he turns back in the same take, that heart in the middle of the mural has turned red. Like, <laughs> to, to, to sort of symbolise, I suppose, him uh, actually, you know, falling in love or whatever, some, mm. some stuff like that. Um, I just sent you another link. I don't know, how, could somebody keep track of how many links I've sent down this episode? Oh, um, it's Link Central. I just, it's just a really cool little tiny detail that like he absolutely didn't yeah. have to do. Yeah, yeah. That is f***ing cool. That, that's that's Edgar right for you. We love our boy Edgar. We were a little bit disappointed by this film because the standards were so high, but he's... Mm-hmm. Ah, amazing director oh that's a point yeah. i might be going to see um speaking of amazing directors i might be going to see um mortal engines tonight i will have to let you know oh, cool uh what i think because we've got um i'm quite curious to see that actually yeah it's a, a really interesting concept like i really mm. really like the idea and i know the book is meant to be really really good but and hugo weaving excellent so in anything he's in basically yeah whereas like yeah but with peter jackson's direction is a bit like it varies from the very very best to really quite bad so i'll have to see where this is on the the jackson scale speaking of um hugo weaving have you seen oranges and sunshine uh no 2011 it came out um it's about and sunshine go on send me a link i feel left out yeah um here we go so let me send you the imdb Oranges and Sunshine, 2010. Set in the 1980s Nottingham, social worker Margaret Humphreys holds the British government accountable for child migration schemes and reunites the children involved, now adults living mostly in Australia. Oh, I remember this. I remember this coming yeah, out. I didn't watch it's it. It's incredibly powerful and based on a true story. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really very good. It's a similar kind of uh, thing with um, Philomena. With Steve Coogan and Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, I still need to watch that's that. That's what I also watch, but that's really good. Um, is there is there like a... um? Does IMDb have like a watch later list? Because like, you know how like Goodreads, you can have a want to read list. Like, is there a site that does that for movies? Does IMDb do that? Yeah, so you know where near the title, there's a little yeah. plus bookmark thing and you can click it to add it to your watch list. Oh, I never knew that. Oh, well, well I need yeah. to populate this. Good grief. Yeah. It's well worth it. It's really very, very good film. Yeah, well, I will. I shall have to add this to my list. Mm. I said that went a little bit Welsh then. Yeah. Um, I'll add it to my list. Add it to my list. Taste my axe. It's the return of Welsh Gimli. I've got the eyes of a fox and the ears yes, of a fox. I'm, I'm a, a fox. fox. <laughs> Top lad. So we find ourselves in patreon corner this is the uh, the time of the podcast we'd like to say a massive thank you to our top lad subscribers specifically um this uh this if you're new to the podcast and you don't really know what's going on um simon and i uh, we've, we've created a patreon for the podcast to basically first and foremost to allow the allow the kind of what we do to become self-sufficient so the uh, the kind of the first um, pledges that we were given which is terribly generous uh, allowed us to pay for hosting for this podcast we then also give a donation monthly donation to wikipedia um each month because uh, the podcast kind of contrary to popular belief actually does rely on wikipedia quite a lot um and then we I also mean, use this we, money to kind of as do we all well yes yes very true um we use the money to when we when we did merch many uh, <coughs> many moons ago and i think hang on hang on oh god i think i might have forgotten to yeah simon we need to raise a glass why it's the 50th episode oh good god 
We've done 50 what? of these. This is our 50th. Oh, God, it's our golden anniversary. Yeah, this is our bi- bi- bicentennial po- podcast. How our exciting. Bi- bicentennial <laughs> fabulous podcast. I'm Good very grief. tempted to pour myself a nice whiskey because I now have a very nice bottle of whiskey. Yeah, you supposed to be a uh, picture as well. Of my father. Um, but, uh, yeah, guys, Good round of applause. We've we made, made it. it. You made 50, it. Uh, 50 episodes, my God. What a massively underwhelming uh, way to, to hold We only realised halfway through. <laughs> yeah. I think I just suddenly remembered. Um, yeah, wow. <laughs> 50 episodes. But the only reason we've got to this 50th episode is thanks to our amazing readers, um, those who just listen to the podcast each week and those who uh, who find it in their hearts to, uh, to support the podcast financially. Without your help, um, this wouldn't be possible. Um, yeah, we would have finished ages ago, like absolutely. so so long ago. We've we've been we've been able to do some amazing things on on this kind of journey of starting starting the podcast with just an idea of being like, oh yeah, we get along quite well. Let's just talk at each other. We've gone from there to to having custom jingles made for us by incredibly gifted uh, readers. We've had yep. we've had guest guests. We've done merch. We've you know we've we've done some incredible things. Um, I think that we really should bring forward our plans for the John Rutter Memorial Home for Injured Swans. I, I feel I feel like we need to start putting this money to some good use, and I feel like Memorial Home Memorial Home for Injured Swans merch is what the people want, Dan. And it can be the fiftieth fun run. It can be like the we need to have something on this. Show. Okay, right. I'm not doing anything for the rest of the day, with the exception of learning a really quite com- complicated anthem for this evening. But I've got plenty of time, so. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to do, I'm going to get this shirt done today. Yes, send me some designs. We can we can have a look. Oh, this Absolutely. is going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, we should actually thank the people who support us. We should on Patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. So, without further ado, I'd like to thank Ben Dent, Ben McMurtry, and Billy Toulson, Bryce D. Wilkins, Chucker Cat, and Connor Levers. Got the one, the only Dan Hanvey, Davi Shram Vontabel, and Elliot Conway, Eric Davis, Habiba Amjad, Henry Brewster, Isabel Ostrovsky, Jay Wright, John Mannion, Jordi Eschendal, Kyle Mutt, Lachlan Woods, Lewis Watson, Maggie and Marut Vakira Punyawat, Matt McGuire, Fee Gascoigne, Rory Healy. Moustache Man, Simon Torsef, <laughs> Tapio Karkinen. Dan didn't fall for your gamut this time, Cameron. Yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. And Whitney Fairies and wonderful Stephen. Thank you, Thank you one so much. and all for your support. Mm. You, As we say, you make this show possible. We've only got to this point and put this much dubious content out into the world because of you. It's all your fault. Uh, and, and also, of course, the people who support us with $1 a month on Team Dog and Team mm. Cat, which is the same as it ever was. Uh, rivers going <laughs> underground once in a lifetime 34 to 28 yeah 34 to 28 come on guys if you if you would like to support the show and you have a dollar a month going spare and you would you know like to spend that on us rather than say on a, a can of fizzy pop uh, then you can do so at the pa- at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast and we would much mm. appreciate it as with the cats <laughs> top lad and now we find ourselves in Crisis Corner. And uh, what we did last week was ask you for your responses to uh, our anonymous reader who is in crisis, who has affairs of the heart. Uh, none of you did. So we're going <laughs> to give our own responses to this. Uh, I think we will probably change... It's a change... busy time of year, Simon. It's a busy time of year. It's a very busy time of year. And I think we're probably going to change the way we did this corner. So we'll do it the way we did it before, where we read out our crisis and respond to it in the same episode. Um, 
just because you know if, if people aren't responding then there's no point in trying to do it the way we were so we'll do it the way we used to do it which was just as good i think um so to to remind you daniel anonymous wrote in and basically said that uh their girlfriend uh, uh well they met their girlfriend at university in iceland neither of them were from iceland uh and uh they kind of were very happy together they then moved to vienna after university uh a couple of months ago and found it very anonymous found it very very difficult to get a job and basically uh last week uh anonymous's partner said i don't want to be here anymore i want to go home i'm not willing to put any more effort into this relationship i still love you i think you're handsome but i'm not sexually attracted to you anymore um mm. and uh anonymous doesn't know what to do anonymous doesn't want to go uh, back to um the family in in his country uh and just doesn't really know what to do um what what what's your take on this dan what do you think anonymous should do well it's super tough isn't it because you don't want to hurt people but naturally when you've when you're when you've got uh, a kind of a situation like this which is so heavily emotionally kind of swayed um it's very easy to to feel hurt you know i think the most important thing is both for anonymous and uh, anonymous's uh, partner um being true to yourself no matter what is the most important thing if that involves having a very uncomfortable conversation which by the sounds of which this is this is what's happened um your your girlfriend's had a had a pretty unpleasant chat um i think the most important thing to do is not necessarily try if you if you can understand it, then amazing. If you can't understand it, then accept and support the decision as much as you can. I think that reacting uh, negatively while you may be feeling rubbish, um, that's completely fine. Um, but it, I think it must have been a really hard conversation to have with this other person. And like they said, you know, they, they, um, she still loves you thinks you're really handsome but the relationship isn't working um then that's that's what will be will be you know you 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 also deserve someone who loves you thinks you're handsome and and wants the relationship to work and if that relationship's not working from one side then then that's the time i think every relationship reach, reaches a point where it kind of you reach kind of like a tipping of scales if you like to see whether it's going to really click into something long term and lasting or maybe you think that well are we really meant to be together um i uh, i've actually like in the last 3 weeks gone through exactly the same situation um which is probably why i'm i'm uh, uh i can kind of sympathize quite a bit um but the most important thing is not to try and sugarcoat anything and not to try and and, and kind of feel too too cut up things will hurt um but they do get better every single day is 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 easier and you know in the case in the case of me i i i, I ended a relationship um but we're still really good friends and we both just had a chat and said you know what actually um this this is this has been really nice and, and we still get along super well and we're still super close but maybe uh, a relationship a kind of long-term thing uh isn't right for us as to in kind of where we are um uh, and how we feel about each other um it's not a pleasant <coughs> not a pleasant conversation but these conversations have to happen you've got to be honest with your partner and yourself and that's the most important thing 
I mean, I, I too have been in exactly the situation. Well, no, I haven't been living in Vienna and, and have my partner say this, uh, but I have been in exactly the situation of the partner saying almost exactly that, actually, saying, I I don't want to put any more effort into this relationship. I don't find you sexually attractive anymore. Um, and yeah, so that was out of the blue for me. Uh, and what I did was pine after them for a long time. Like, I actively tried to make them change their mind for probably about three months. And then pined after them for about a year after that and i deeply regret doing that because it was such a waste of my energy it was such a period of my life that i'm just like i just i'm not getting anything out of that like it was a a, a terrible terrible time for me um to you know there was yeah it was just wasted so my advice from experience in terms of the relationship um is to basically as dan says it, it really really sucks um but I think you basically just have to accept that is where your girlfriend has come from. That is that is how they're feeling, and you've yeah, they're, it's a it's valid for them to feel that way. They are they are you know if that's the way they feel, they can't help that. Um, and it's not a reflection on you. It is it is a it takes two to tango in a relationship, and it's not it's not a problem with you. It is it was a problem with the relationship, which is why the relationship didn't work. Um, so you know i think yeah hard as it is you've kind of got to accept that but distance yourself from that blame i mean she, mm. she is still saying i think you're really handsome uh, which is a plus um, and he still loves you too so like there's there's a there's a caring there so there's no reason why much like the situation i'm in now you can't stay close and stay really good friends like you probably assumedly were before you were in a relationship you know Although, that's something that's really lovely. to offer the counterpoint i'd, I'd say mm. that I, I couldn't do that with my partner who said that to me i just had to the only way yeah. that i found i was capable of getting over it was to distance myself completely um, <coughs> absolutely these things so, take time i'm not saying like you have to you know you have the conversation and then they go all right well everything's hunky-dory let's go and chill out for a bit you know you have yeah, to take yeah. some time away and and that's what i did you know um the most i think what what's if you look if you're trying to find a positive spin on this which is obviously really hard because you know anonymous has said i feel more aimless and lost than ever before and i don't know what ne- what's next it's completely okay to feel that what you're feeling is entirely valid and i think kind of natural you know um as i've said every day does get easier and and with each day comes more clarity but what's coming up now is a really really good opportunity for you just to invest a lot of time in yourself so w- with these feelings of aimlessness and being lost, you can just focus on you as a person. You don't have to worry about another person who you might be in a relationship with. You can really have a, kind of a more inward look and, and look at where you are in life and where you want to be, um, what you want to do. Um, even if it's just a case of just just being for a bit, you know, it's a it's come at a really awful time of year, but it's also come at quite a nice time of year, too, because every, everyone's just that little bit more kind of cheerful. And, and and friendly and there's more things going on around you is uh, in terms of kind of community stuff mm. um it might be a really nice time just to to to, to use the, this kind of lead up into christmas and going into the new year just looking at what's going on with you um and uh and kind of getting ready for for an exciting new year ahead you know it's naturally will take time it's not i'm not saying that you know every cloud's got a silver lining and you're going to be right as rain um i also don't want to sound like i'm belittling how bad you feel because i can i understand and i know how how just awful this feeling is yeah um but it does get better i feel like basically we we are offering the same advice in some ways but in terms of how to deal with the relationship you know 
It's you, mm-hmm. you basically do whatever you know you you need to do. Let's focus on what should Anonymous be doing in ter- not in terms of relationship, but in terms of where they're living. So they're currently in Vienna, but found it very difficult to get a job. What do yeah. you think is the right course of action? Because they they're living at a friend's apartment, which is like very cheap and um, uh, in like a very central location. Not mm-hmm. sure if they're still allowed to live there because it was like a a friend, a mutual friend of them and their girlfriend, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, what's your take? Start maybe looking for some expat groups and seeing if there's something that can alleviate that feeling of kind of isolation. Obviously, um, being immersing yourself in a different culture is a big, is a big, quite scary thing to do, especially when there's a language barrier. So maybe it would be nice to see if you can find some, some groups that uh, you don't have to worry about any, any kind of language barriers or there's just something that's a little bit more familiar and maybe use that as a way to see whether there's other places that you could be staying or jobs that may be coming up that may be more suited to you if you've been struggling with to find others. Um, uh, I think this might also be a good time to see whether we have listeners in Vienna to see if they can send an email in saying <laughs> with, with any kind of, uh, with any kind of uh, further kind of knowledge of job seeking and all good places to go yeah. um you know think things like stranger that. things what, what have happened uh in this podcast before let's absolutely um, we we do know that in terms of our readership we can make some pretty amazing things happen i mean i would i i'd argue i mean do you need to stay in vienna like you're anonymous has said it was like a beautiful city but it's been difficult to find a job and you don't want to go to uh, back to your home country um I'd say that this is, you know, again, not seeking to belittle what you're feeling because from personal experience, I know that it f***ing sucks. Um, mm. But this, you could view this as an opportunity to say, look, yeah, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with my life? Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got your degree. Um, you are, you know, clearly comfortable traveling if you're in Vienna. Um, you are a handsome man. Uh, you know, I also could see uh, from from your portrait on on the on, the, uh, on our, our email that you are clearly a handsome man. Um, you've got the world as your oyster at this point. Um, I definitely sounded quite West Country when I said that. Um, mm-hmm. I question what is it that you'd like to do. You know, maybe you don't even have to be restricted to Europe. Maybe restricted to Europe if if you want to. Um, and yeah, say you know what. Don't necessarily go for location. Go for what job do I want to do. Like what mm-hmm. sector do I want to work in? And then say, right, where do I want to do that? Um, I feel like you've kind of got to go just just at this point, get your dick out and just go for it, you know? Yeah. Just let's just like go. Just Seize go the bull by the, the horns. Carpe diem. The bulls by the horns. Yes. Mm-hmm. All we can say as well is best of luck to you because yeah. this, uh, this, this isn't a great situation to be anonymous. I very, very much feel for you. And Dan, yeah, both Dan and I have been in the same situation. So mm. we understand. Um, I hope everything go, turns out well. Do send in a follow-up um, if things... No, not if. When things turn around, send us in a follow-up email. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but I, I hope that that was of some use, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it was just people saying that they understand how you feel, because we do. And we're at the end, and that means it's uh, a last little uh, foray into Correspondence Corner. Uh, we have... And I'm already triggered here. I've started sweating profusely. Um, we have an email here from from uh, from Grace, uh, regular regular reader of the podcast. Um, uh, she's emailed in uh, in regards to Fantastic Beasts. Her subject line is titled aptly "Crimes of Fantastic Beasts." So, without further ado, here's Grace's thoughts. Hi guys, I completely agree with Dan. Well, thank God for that. 
I wasn't going to see Crimes of Grindelwald but uh, um, at first, but ended up going with my sister. I enjoyed some parts of the film, but was ultimately annoyed with it. I hate that they changed so much of the canon and it felt like a lot of things happened in the film, but at the same time, nothing really happened. That's very true. Um, there wasn't any real plot and every ob obstacle that came up was resolved quickly with a magical creature. I was annoyed at how much CGI and special effects were used. It felt overdone and made some scenes almost impossible to look at and keep up with. Again, I would agree with that too. I think it could have been a really good film. I had focused on one plot line and followed that, like Simon suggested climate change or focusing on the relationship between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Thank you for providing a space to vent about this crap film. Best Grace, age 24.5. P.S. Here's a picture of my sister's bird named Dobby to cheer you up. That is a lovely, lovely bird. Oh, look at the bird. Oh, look at that's a good bird. <laughs> the little bird. Uh, have I need my bird. Um, has your opinion changed on the film at all? Has it mellowed since? <laughs> no, no, I'm just thinking about absolutely Iron Man not, too. <laughs> not at all. Um, I've had, I've in fact, I'd say I've probably had <coughs> maybe seven messages on Facebook from various people who either saw my post um, or, or just asking whether I've seen it, um, asking to meet up for coffee so we can vent about this film. Um, I did a little bit of reading about it the other day, and apparently J.K. Rowling, when speaking to uh, journalists were saying uh, was promising that Fantastic Beasts three would answer questions, which is a really awful oh, title oh. title to uh, an article. And she must be feeling just quite stressed out if that if the first thing they have to say is like, no, no, you'll get your answers in in number three. Um, yeah, my feelings haven't changed. I'm really disappointed with it. I'm very hurt. I'm currently listening though to uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Um, because, as we know, I listen to all the books on a constant repeat through the year. Have you ever considered listening to anything other than Harry Potter? <laughs> like, yeah, but it's Christmas time. It's nice. Um, yeah, I was listening to... Uh, what was that? Hang on, here we go. This is my. I'll go through my audiobook library. Uh, Stephen Fry uh, narrating Sherlock Holmes. That's been pretty great. Um, uh, Alan Bennett narrating Winnie the Pooh and The Wind in the Willows. That's pretty. also pretty oh, good. Oh, that'd be nice. Oh, yeah, I've got Roy, De Roy Detrice uh, narrating uh, Game of Thrones. So I've got the first one of that I've been listening to as well, which is quite good. Um, but I've got, some, I've got some books that I need to be cracking on with reading because I have had my, um, my dissertation approval. My dissertation has been approved. I don't know if I mentioned that last week. I don't think I had. Oh, no, you or didn't mention did. that. Oh, no, because well, oh, no, I was going on later to do it, wasn't I? Um, that's right. Yeah, yes, so it's, yeah. it's all been approved, which is a massive relief. Um, not only was it approved, the, the, the professor who I was talking to it about um, seemed really, really interested. Um, and ba basically, every time I'd spoken about it before, the general consensus has been, oh, that's quite niche and quite a kind of a narrow field of view, um, which I don't think is strictly true. I just think that they don't understand what I'm trying to do. Whereas when I spoke to spoke to one of the professors at uni in this meeting I had where I kind of gave my pitch and showed him my form. Uh, he kind of stayed quiet for a while as I spoke and then slowly turned around and said, I bloody love this idea. <laughs> so I'm really, really chuffed. Yeah, well um, done. I can't get, can't, I can't wait to, um, and he's given me some really, really interesting reading to already crack on with. So I think over this Christmas period, I'm going to be delving deep into uh, into dissertation reading. And then next term, I start my script writing oh, okay. module. Which I am really, really interested about. to see what you make of that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yes, I've got some dissertation stuff to be reading. Should be very cool. Tell you what I won't be reading. Any more f***ing reviews of Crimes of Grindelwald? Tell you that for oh, free. God, the people who have been getting on me about um, the name of the wind on YouTube. Jesus. 
Like that video has now got like that video's got like six hundred likes and a hundred dislikes now or something. It's like it's people who just don't seem to understand that like art is subjective. People be like, this is a bad review because it yeah. doesn't agree with my opinion. You're wrong. And it's like, no, mm. do, I just don't like the thing that you like. Also, no one has yet, uh, no one has made a single point about how, oh yeah, Quoth is really flawed because he's, he's really prideful. That doesn't matter if it doesn't change the story. There's not a single story beat that's been changed mm. by any of Quoth's flaws. The only bad things that happen to him is circumstance or caused by other people. His flaw, which is definitely there, of course he's a flawed character, he's, a, he's an arrogant asshole, but it doesn't change the story. It really annoys me that people don't get that. Like, f*** off. Mm. Just like, st you're just, just repeating things that other people have said, which also isn't relevant, doesn't make you smart. I don't like the thing that you like. Stop trying to make me like it. <laughs> What I'm trying to say is I actually really like Fantastic Beasts, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, and I think the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, just before we, um, before we wrap up, um, over this Christmas period, we have the, um, the remake, if you like, of uh, Watership Down is coming up I over Christmas, saw, which is very yeah. exciting. Um, I don't know how I feel about the animation style because it looks like something... All the comments are like, I can't wait to play this on my PlayStation 1. It does look like, like that. Like, it looks yeah. a little bit jank. Yeah. But, the, but I think you've really got to treat it almost like a radio play. Um, because the it's it's all it's really about the actual kind of like performances of, of the actors um, rather than what you see. Yeah, but I love that film. You know, my dog is named after one of the characters for God's sake. So, and then we also have the BBC's adaptation of Les Mis. I, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh yeah, the BBC are doing it's so they're adapting the the book, not the musical. Um, but it's going to be a six part, probably like hour and a bit long episode um, adaptation, and it looks absolutely superb. Bloody hell. Wow, I had no idea yeah. about that. Hang on, I shall send you. I'll send you the trailer. Everything, everything over this Christmas period is going to be great. Um, I'm not going home at all. Oh really? So I'm going to be stuck in Exeter, which means I'll be well, not stuck. I sound sounds like I resent it. I really like it down here, but I've got already got some really cool Christmas plans happening, um, and all the services and things. I've, I've got a midnight mass to sing at as well, um, which is all pretty cool. Um, oh, another link. So yeah, it's going to be a busy time, and I get to see you on Friday for your for Woo! your big day. Yeah, graduation. Which is very exciting. Gonna go for drinks afterwards. It's gonna yeah. be awesome. Uh, I I I did I did such a hail mary on that uh, Facebook event. I was like, yeah, let's everyone gets an invite. F it, <laughs> everybody who I've ever sung with, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Do you live in Newcastle? Don't care. Come to Exeter. <laughs> I, was, I was like, if some of these people come, I'd be so impressed. <laughs> hmm. But uh, yeah, that's a shame that you're not leaving. But there are worse places and to uh, you know, spend Christmas. Absolutely. Well, other than my family in Oxfordshire, I have a family down here. Yeah. Um, you know, the wider musical, choral, friend, uni community. It is. Um, and it is a family. Yeah. There's going to be loads That's of stuff the thing. Happening. It's the family we choose. It really and is. I, I, I'm so glad that I get to yeah. graduate and actually spend some time with, with the, my chosen family, because that's how I feel about it. It's, I yeah. love you. Oh, God, I'm getting all emotional. Uh, right, should we end the episode? Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes, I think we should. It's me! Tony! Kazak one eye's on the loose! He stole my fucking eye! I do oh, really need so to watch good. that. My neighbours are gonna love me. So, Daniel, what have we learned today? Well, Simon, we learnt about the Department of Trade and Industry, the DTI, oh, yes. if you will. The yes. government department formed on the 19th of October that was later replaced in the 20th of June 2007. DTI, down to innovate. Mm -hmm. the um the the weird uh kind of pseudo website that we found on the national archives 
domain, which oh, was, which yeah, was super yeah. cool. Uh, talking about climate change and uh, and various other things. Uh, we had quite Brexit. a long, Trigger. depressing talk about Brexit. Yes. Um, Triggered. Triggered. Which was, yeah. Uh, I had my choral piece of the week, which is the, um, uh, was it like home? Or home, I- home is. Home is, yes. Yeah. Home is uh, from GSA, DJESSE Volume 1 by Jacob Collier and his collaboration with Watches 8, which was superb. Um, and then we fired into critics. Yep, I had a bit of a rant uh, about Toddy, f***ing Toddy, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Tales by Light and the painting by Light, which can absolutely nope, you're uh, not yes. doing that. Then we had the uh, Patreon corner. Yes, absolutely. And uh, our crisis and correspondence. Uh, yeah, I really hope Anonymous is um, is doing okay. Grace just reaffirming the fact that she's a, a good listener by agreeing with me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well done, listeners. Well, well done for just yeah. agreeing with our opinions, not questioning them, but just agreeing. Well done. That's how we like our audience. Yeah. Nice and classic. Well, that's what opinions are for. They're meant to be the same as the people you follow. Absolutely. You know, name of the wind. Full circle. Oh, God. <laughs> that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Reviews of Jacob Collier's new album, Jesse, your favourite Christmas films to watch at this time of year, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another Tumble Down the Wiki Rabbit Hole, and, and we'll, we'll see, see you, you next time. time.